takes on a new meaning when we have our good friend coming on, of course, who actually is in the New York metropolitan area. Technically not in New York, won't say where, but. Should have brought that magazine in here. Oh, uh, what magazine, Jen? Let everybody know what magazine. I honestly don't in. know what the magazine is other than it's a Seinfeld 25th anniversary special of whatever it is. Is it? It's not people. Jordan, we're going to have to get this for you because it is a, tw- so there is a 25th anniversary I, I, I don't I, think it's like Rolling Stone. Be, no, it's not it's, Rolling no, Stone. It's I think Rolling it might Stone. be People. I don't know. But it's a Seinfeld. No. It's a whole Seinfeld magazine. And it's really, really funny. I disagree it's with really some of the good. choices because they Whatever. give the top three episodes they, per season. And for some reason. We could, say, we could debate that. See, now that is something I'm willing to debate. I will debate so that. So we could do a, we could do a I will. I will debate Things like that, but I won't debate like policy and issues with people. Because to me, that's just, that's like giving credence to their nonsense. Whereas if we're debating Seinfeld episodes, it by definition is entirely nonsense. And so, yeah, I'm good with that. Well, if anybody loves Seinfeld as much as we do, he is the host of Status Crew News, actually doing real on the ground reporting in places that you probably don't even know about, because that is how the United Corporations of America want it to be. Without further ado, Jordan Charrington, welcome back to Joy. You're cutting me off in the process. Jordan, welcome back to Generational Change. Thank you. Hope you guys are doing well. How are you? Oh, boy. Teething children. It's uh, it's exhausting. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Okay, yeah. Well, I wish I could tell you it gets better, but when they're teenagers, it's just still exhausting. It's I call it exasperating as teenagers. Like, it's just... I, I, you can't reason with these people. Their brains are not developed, but they think they know things. And it's just, they are the most unreasonable group of people ever. I, I wasn't a fan of them when I was one. So. Yeah. yeah. I uh, like to wake you up at all hours of the day and uh, it's, it's, it's a lot, but we love her anyway. Uh, I w- <laughs> yeah. You're not throwing her out with the bathwater. At least I don't think you would. You seem like no. a guy who enjoys being a parent. So there you go. It'll get more fun. It'll get more rewarding. Speaking I think of fun, so. Speaking of fun, um, you know, obviously we're going to talk about what's going on in Kalamazoo. Uh, what is your take, just real quick, on what's going on with what I consider, we all consider it to be Kabuki Theater regarding the dead scene. Oh, my God. You know, we had Steve on the other day to obviously break it down, uh, that most of the stuff is BS. Um, but it seems that the whole narrative of we have to just give people who need help the most a little bit less and the people who need absolutely nothing a little bit more. Do you feel like a lot of people are waking up to that fact at this point or are people just still really in the dark about what's going on? I really think all of this is uh, very similar to why Biden only canceled $10,000 of student loan debt, even though that, you know, has basically been nullified too. Um, because they don't want to open up Pandora's box to kind of reveal that all of this, how are we going to pay for it stuff is all bullshit. Uh, and the fact that we really don't really have a limit, uh, a debt limit per se. And we really do have, you know, I don't want to say unlimited money. Obviously you have to worry about inflation, but uh, with mint the coin, which if we could mint the coin to avoid the debt ceiling and why not Medicare for all? Why not? Uh, it would really just kind of uh, excoriate and shatter the neoliberal lie of the last 30 years, which is, you know, we got to pay for things as we go and how we got to pay for it. And, you know, we got, you know, you got to eat your broccoli and money don't grow on trees. 
which Steve Grumbine obviously has, uh, you know, enlightened uh, you and your audience. So mm-hmm. I think that's really what this is about. I think Biden agreed to negotiate uh, because he knew they were not going to just pass a clean debt ceiling. And uh, I think the donors don't want uh, a mint the coin or some other thing that could reveal, um, yeah, we, we do have the money for things and we don't have to nickel and dime uh, actual things for working people, for poor people. Um, so that's what I think is really going on. The theater is to avoid Pandora's box from opening and removing the how you're going to pay for it stuff uh, from presidential elections, Senate elections, and basically removing that from the battleground. I've always found that argument just really ridiculous. Even if I were to buy into the concept of there's a budget and we have to stay, even if I were to buy into that concept, the fact that we can allocate what we can to war to me indicates that we've got plenty of money to do what we want with. So even if I were to confine myself to that paradigm, but when we know that that's not how this works, And we know that really what this is, is just another excuse for more austerity to basically further divide and further have the income inequality. Um, It's really hard for me to stomach it. I don't watch that kind of news. It's very frustrating. I don't believe a word they say about it. Um, And I don't understand the point of it other than a distraction. No, you're completely right. And honestly, um, you got to wonder, it's like the same thing with abortion and other things. You got to wonder why didn't the Democratic Party just move the debt ceiling when they had complete control in the lame duck? Uh, they could say, well, Manchin wouldn't have voted for it, but they didn't even try to pass a clean debt ceiling when they had complete control. So it makes you wonder whether they allowed this to happen uh, for a political issue uh, to kind of make the Republicans look extreme. But the danger in this is, I mean, you if it passes, uh, you, I don't want to say you got away with it with minimal scars because a lot of terrible things in there, including the Mountain Valley Pipeline. But now you have set this precedent that we're going to do this every year or two. And next time, I mean, the Republicans aren't getting any less extreme. So next time you're going to maybe you'll have Speaker, I don't know, Gates. And uh, yeah, we're not doing it unless there's a you know, six week across the board abortion ban or something totally unrelated. And they're not going to negotiate. So just negotiating in the first place over this nonsense, you've now set the precedent. We're going to go through this over and over again. Uh, so my my feeling is mint the coin for everything we need. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, it's preposterous that these people care about debt, any of them, uh, because they're yeah. all calling for more in military spending. I don't know why anybody would be remotely surprised. Like, this is the same president that just screwed over the railroad workers for a sick day or two. Okay, so like the idea that anybody would be remotely surprised that this would be what he would consider to be an okay deal. Of course, it's a good deal. It's a perfectly good deal for him. And it also makes you wonder why, um, you know, Let's say, let's just say for the sake of argument that there really is a major constraint right now with printing money. Well, if that is the case, then how do you in any way justify raising the Pentagon budget that, another 11%? That, that. And you got Thomas Massey, who's really supposed to be 
like the one honest libertarian operator in the GOP basically saying, I'm voting for this because we're cutting uh, spending by $62 billion. And I'm thinking, no, you're not cutting the military budget. And this is the thing you are the loudest about. He said that, that they were cutting it when. No, no, I'm saying that Massey is like the one guy who truly is like, we got to cut the military budget. He's like, well, we're cutting spending X amount. and We haven't done it in decades. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, but. That's not really the answer. No, you're making it worse. It's like tax cuts for the rich. The hole's going somewhere and it's going to end up going to people who can't afford to live. And and, and thus creates an even greater cycle of 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 poverty, which is even I also I also don't get where the messaging has been. I mean, not that I think Biden's anything to write home about, but where the messaging has been, like get out the white bird, like explain like, hey, you know, Fiscal conservatism, right? Like Johnny can't go uh, buy the lemonade, uh, you know, then make the lemonade and then take the lemonade and then say, well, I'll pay you if you give me X. Like that's basically what they're doing. This is already money that's been budgeted. And they're basically saying, yeah, we're not going to pay the bill. So I don't know if they didn't attack the Republicans for clearly not being fiscally conservative and pointing out this is the opposite of conservatism. I don't think the base would care because they just want to fight. But yeah, I know. I think, I think, um, yeah, Biden's weak. And it also kind of goes back to the lie. We were stuffed down our throats in 2020 that, you know, this is the guy who could work with Republicans and get things done. The only things he's working on with Republicans and getting done is shit that's screwing, you know, working people up the, up the butt. Uh, And the environment and the environment in a way worse than Trump. Let's say, yeah. you know, like that's a problem. And that shows how disconnected these fucking like pod save America, bro, MSNBC resistant types are because they say the, they're the, like saying he's a, this was a, a wizard, a mag- magic uh, legislative victory uh, because they're, they're not in the sacrifice zone of the Ma- Mountain Valley pipeline when it blasts. So what do they give a shit about? They don't yeah, care. Well, those people are paid to talk like. That's the thing that people really need to understand. You know, they're the, plants. You know, the the Aaron Rupars of the world, the Brian Tyler Cohens of the world, they are paid a lot of money, a lot of money to suck off the Democratic establishment and make them look really good on national television constantly. And I don't care, you know, and those are guys that are at the top. You got the Bush League dumbasses down here in the Krasenstein brothers <laughs> who do the same thing. They're the ones out in the Tampa Bay area and they're doing the same thing building up these accounts and talking about how great Biden is. He gave away the farm and he gave it away when he didn't have to. He could have invoked the 14th Amendment. He has executive authority to mitigate this circumstance and he isn't doing it no. because he doesn't care. <laughs> and it's, it's like, at what point? Well, you, know what's a, you, know what, you know what the ironic thing is? And it's kind of funny. They, he tries to exude this whole, like, I don't do things that are against Senate norms or or against the Constitution, so I'm not going to go against the parliamentarian, or I'm not going to pass the 14th Amendment because it might get sued, but or they might have legal issues. He had zero problem at the beginning of the pandemic. We're talking like March, April 2020, sending people out to vote in the primary during a raging fucking pandemic when like nobody knew anything and yet 3,000 people dying a day. wasn't wasn't worried about that. No. Uh, remember when Simone Sanders went on C, uh, TV uh, and said the CDC says it's OK, which was yeah. lately. So it's like very selective uh, which categories Mr. Biden um, 
you know, adheres to safety or, or norms uh, and which ones he doesn't. So, yeah, I mean, I can't really bring myself to cover like the, you know, wall to wall, the countdown clock of the debt ceiling because it's so preposterous. I mean, I've, I obviously have Steve on to explain it, but um, I think Steve puts it well, like this kind of stuff is really going to kill people. Uh, because even the work benefits, even the um, snap cuts, things like that, for the people that are already on the margins, uh, it really has a major negative effect. Uh, and to call that a victory because you got it, oh, we got this past the election and we don't have to deal with it again in 2025. It just got a major problem among many problems with the corporate media. And one of them is just how disconnected, intentionally disconnected you have to be. Uh, yeah. To be a million dollar anchor or, you know, a six dollar six figure journalist, uh, they're all they're all completely <laughs> removed from how this affects actual people. You should yeah. just call them stenographers. Yeah, well, just they say, are. They're stenographers. stenographers. It's state. It's state media. It's funny when people that uh, criticize places like China because they have state sponsored media. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have the same thing. It's just corporate states. Wait, I just want to say yeah. something. Can we talk a little bit about the pipeline thing? Because I, for the life of me, do not understand what the hell that has to do with the whole debt ceiling. And it doesn't. Nothing. Exactly. Nothing. And yet, and yet, nobody is really talking about this, how this was just stuck in there. And the only reason that they get away with stuff like this is because it affects the poorest people in this country that are already have no power. So, like, I don't know, like how much you're able to just say just from what you know. I know that you you recently were talking with somebody about it, but like, will you tell me why is that in this? The only thing I can think of, because this is not like a thing where you need Manchin's vote to get it done because you're going to get enough Republicans probably uh, to vote for it. And the Senate is Manchin's getting his ass kicked right now in potential uh, Senate against this crook uh, governor of West Virginia. I forget his name who his coal company just got sued by the DOJ, uh, Governor Justice, excuse me, who's a corrupt motherfucker, but is spanking Manchin in the polls right now. Uh, he's the current governor of West Virginia and, and is running against Manchin. So my guess is this was a gift to Manchin so he could run on delivering the Mountain Valley Pipeline for West Virginians, uh, even though there's no need for it. It's extremely dangerous, like beyond Do they the danger. Want that? Who wants that other than contractors? The fossil fuel and the coal the industry. Well, right, yeah. but that's not, those aren't voters, okay? That's donors, yes, that's not voters. The people that live there are probably not hip with this. Well, I think he's banking on uh, it being attractive to Republican voters that might go to justice. So oh, we're creating X amount of jobs and Mountain Valley Pipeline and blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's my guess. Uh, he's still going to lose uh, to justice, but that's my only guess why. Good, I, good I'm glad. I'm glad they didn't, they, they didn't need, they did not, it's not like the reconciliation bill in the, in, on the democratic side where you need every democratic vote. In this case, you probably could afford to lose a couple Democrats cause you're going to get, uh, not all Republicans, but enough. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of. But I mean, I went down there. It was the first story I covered actually for status quo. Uh, there were people protesting in Virginia, West Virginia. And this is trees. huge. It goes from where to where, like it, it, it's pretty big. Uh, I know West Virginia, Virginia, uh, North Carolina, 300 miles. It's going up the steepest slopes in, in yeah. the country, the Appalachian Trail. I, just, you know, I'm not an earth scientist, but just the topography, uh, it is, there's never been a pipeline like it that has been built in this kind of um, landscape. Uh, thousands of waterways and when it explodes, 
when it when it explodes, it's got a two and a half mile blast radius, so you're going to kill and maim a lot of people. Um, and it it there is also no need for it. Uh, there's not like a huge demand for more natural gas in these areas. Uh, and the companies, the fossil fuel companies are making away like bandits. It's, it reminds me kind of like a Flint, uh, where there was a privatized water pipeline that was built and Flint was boondoggled into joining it, but it was a duplicative pipeline to the existing Detroit water pipeline that gave Flint its water. Uh, there was no need for that new water pipeline. It was just going to make people money. Very similar to that, but you're talking, I mean, there's been a huge activism fight for years and a lot of victories among activists that have gotten this pipeline killed over and over again. So uh, this just goes to show you, I mean, Biden uh, is willing to, uh, it's really just shuffling the hostages. You know, they say uh, Republicans are trying to take the global economy hostage. They're just shoveling the hostages to the people in the path of this pipeline. Yeah, I don't want this to happen at all. You know, it's funny. Uh, every move that Joe has made, more or less, um, has been the wrong move since he's been president. Um, he's a borderline failure, and that is without including borderline. his absolute dis- – the worst part of his presidency, to me, is the fact that he really is anti-labor. And there are people out there selling this notion that he's some type of a labor guy. And listen, we loved the panel that we had the other day talking about the WGA strike. But there was, we're not going to say who, but there was a member of the panel who thinks pretty highly of Joe. And the one person who was on the panel who wasn't having it, who who we made sure not to let it get out of control, was Frances Fisher. Because you could tell that she's like, no, there is nothing good to write home about Joe. I don't care if he's got a Shaker, not Shaker. Nobody really seemed to be that keen on Joe. No, but they were like they were alluding to this idea that, well, he's got Hugo Chavez, you know, bust in his office. And it's like, no, he should have a bust of of Ayn Rand or Maggie Thatcher. That's really who he should have, because that's who he governs like. And so now. We're looking at the latest poll. Granted, it's a small one. It's only about um, four or five hundred people that were polled in Politicus. But as of this moment, today, the latest poll in the primary that apparently is not actually happening is Joe Biden is now below 60 percent. That's pretty bad. So you've got RFK at 19 percent and you've got Marianne at 11 percent with 10 percent undecided. If you ask me. That's literally heading for a cliff right now. What do you think is ultimately going to happen? Do you think a, a real noted big name like a Gavin Newsom or a J.B. Pritzker is going to ultimately get in this race when it just every day that passes, it looks more and more like Joe is just a complete sitting duck? Well, here's the predicament that I don't have any inside intel, but this is what I think is going on. I actually think Biden, um, if it were up to him, did not want to run again and would exactly. have and would have just kind of, you know, I, I I was the bridge to the new generation or whatever bullshit he pushed uh, that he was going to be a bridge to Kamala or Peter. Um, talk about a bridge to nowhere. Um, <laughs> and um, but I think the Democratic Party realized they kind of the uh, monster they created in the identity politics uh, now is the monster that would you know, would scale them because if Biden comes out, they cannot bypass Kamala Harris. I mean, the DNC, uh, the party would have to back her or they're going to lose black voters. 
I'm not saying all black voters would just support her because she's black. But you're talking about the first uh, woman vice president, the first black woman vice president and the most loyal, consistent Democratic voter is older black women. And they would not be they would not be. uh, I, I think you'd have a real chance at a depressed vote among your core base if you toss the first uh, black vice president, uh, especially the first woman vice president, uh, and you also take out her, the option of having the first female president. Uh, So they would have to go with Kamala Harris, and that's a guarantee of losing. I mean, I think Kamala Harris could lose even to like, uh, I mean, go down to Nikki Haley. Or well, I actually think so will Joe. I think so can Joe. And I, I, I think it actually doesn't matter who the Democrats put up. That's how bad it is. I don't think it'll matter that he's been so bad. And as somebody who did regrettably suck it up and vote for him, I will not do so again. Under any circumstance whatsoever, I will not do so again. And I know that I'm not the only person in that camp. And being that he barely won. And it was a pandemic, which really was more like Trump lost than Joe won. Like Joe barely won. And he barely won in Broward County, by the way. He didn't campaign. But he but, didn't leave us out. Because he's and he still really can't. So so the point is he can't win again. I don't see well, how that's possible. I th- I think that you gotta look at it. Uh I think you're right in that it was more uh Trump. Uh, Trump lost it. Uh, I particularly think at that point on the COVID issue. And then when you look at the midterms, uh, it was basically that the Supreme Court lost it for Republicans, not that Biden did anything, uh, yeah. because they basically, uh, I mean, the data showed it was the uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade. So if you don't have one of those particular like specialty issues, whether it's COVID or abortion, uh, unless Trump or DeSantis are stupid enough to put on the table, like I'll sign a national abortion ban. I don't think either of them are. Um, Trump's trying yeah. to basically. I didn't just, think they were, but DeSantis is now pushing those limits. So, you know, right. maybe. But maybe I'm saying like in, they're not unless they give the DNC like Chris, an early Christmas, which is I will sign yes. a national abortion ban, which yeah. I think would be the same as the midterms and people would come out and hold their nose. Um yeah, I agree with you. I don't I don't know about Nikki Haley and like the lo, like, you know, the the opening act Republicans. But I think Trump would beat the uh, Trump would beat um, Biden at this point. DeSantis would. I think Pence, if he got out of a primary, could as well. Um, and I think at the end of the day, I don't That's think Newsom scary. or any of them are going to jump in because he's a young enough guy that he would just either wait for Biden to drop out and then jump in or just go in 2028. Uh, but I do think on the progressive side, I, I, I honestly think it's a shame that all we have right now is Marianne Williamson. I think she's a nice lady. I don't have anything against her uh, on policy. I, I tend to agree with her on most things, but I don't think she right now is running the campaign that could deliver an unprecedented victory over an incumbent president. I think the only person that could do that type of person is somebody that's willing to borrow from Trump, for lack of a better word. Not the bad stuff, but like come out there swinging, calling him, calling Biden corrupt, uh, pointing, calling him a failed president, pointing out that he's abandoned the, the you know, I think people I think the mood of the electorate right now is less wanting inspiration and more wanting a fighter, uh, particularly on the primary mm-hmm. side. Yeah. I think that besides the anti-vax stuff, which is, in my view, why he's rising, I think part of uh, RFK's. Um, appeal to some people is that he's pointing out corruption. He's 
uh, pointing out the subsidies and crony capitalism. I think most of it's the anti-vaxxers, which is another story. Uh, but I think if Marianne had that other gear of actually willing to go against Biden, I think she would increase in the polls because, you know, the media cannot um, the media can't help themselves. They will cover it if she's slinging arrows at Biden, if there's conflict. Uh, but in the times I've seen her given the opportunity, including when I interviewed her, she's kind of doing what Bernie did, which is like just talking about the issues and not willing to go against Biden. I don't really get why. Why are you running if you're not willing to run against your opponent, particularly an incumbent president? doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, so at this point, I think the DNC would kind of be forced to hold at least one debate if either of them sniff like 25 to 30 percent, because then you're then you're in um, then you're in the territory of losing the general because those people might not vote for you if you just will not hold a primary and just say, yeah. fuck it, you're against democracy. I'm not voting for you. I'll just vote third party or not vote. Uh, but if it hovers around 19 to 20 percent, I think they could just keep you know, closing their eyes and hoping it passes. Yeah. If I had to pick right now, I'm with RFK. Um, I don't need to agree with him on everything. I actually don't necessarily know his position on everything, but I do know that he's anti-war and that he wants to pardon whistleblowers. And quite honestly, yeah, that's a pretty good that. win for me. He's an environmental person, but I don't, I don't need somebody who's a progressive. I just need somebody who has a certain amount of substance and qualification for a certain job. Um, and, and then you kind of go from there. There's a baseline of basic qualifications. And when you ask, why would somebody do that without any real interest in challenging it? I don't know. And the thing that, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's hard and this is not just unique to RFK, but my, my, uh, my North star and my compass in politics is I don't really care what people say. I care what they've done. So I don't really care what he's particularly saying about Ukraine. I care about his history. I don't I don't buy this anti-war. He was for Hillary Clinton like four times. He campaigned with Hillary Clinton. He, as far as I know, was not against Iraq and other high scale wars. Um, I don't really see him pushing like cutting the military budget significantly. I don't I don't see him like cutting the drones out, which Biden and Trump have doubled on the Ukraine issue. I think he's seeing kind of a opening particularly among the left that is wants out of Ukraine and doesn't want to be involved in this war. And I think he's capitalizing, but his history and his public policy prescriptions are not somewhat of, of anti-war more troubling than that. I mean, he's not, I, I get what you're saying. You don't need a progressive, but he's to no. me, he's, he's your standard corporate Democrat. I mean, he's not, well, for Medicare. You know he's what? not for Medicare. He's not for Medicare for all. He's not even for a public option. Uh, this whole stuff about like, I'm, I'm a, I there's nobody who loves free market capitalism more than me. Like, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. I heard, I, oh, no. Yeah. I And I don't. And like I said, I don't have to uh, agree with somebody at this point. If there, if those were the three choices, that's the pick for me. It's a no brainer on that. But like and, and the other thing about him is I looked at what has he done for the past 20 years? And what he's done for the past 20 years is litigate on behalf of all different kinds of people against bullies like Exxon in the U.S. Navy and litigate cases against them like in environmental circumstances like Steve Donziger. So what he's done as an attorney, as an environmental attorney, speaks a lot as to who he is. Now, I can, like you said, I'm looking at his actions. He doesn't have um, political background, so I can't say, oh, he's voted on this or he's voted on that. I, I He hasn't, but um, the fact that he has spent the better part of 20 years fighting on behalf of indigenous 
people, uh, to me, is somewhat compelling. That's, you know, that's what it is. And like I said, like we, it's not like we have this huge assortment of which to choose. And there is no universe where I'll vote for Joe Biden again. Like that's so, never. Yeah. Like I think, I, I think for me also, and uh, you know, this isn't a knock on you, but for me, I think there's certain things you could compartmentalize like, all right, I don't like X, Y, Z, but for these reasons, I'm going to overlook that. For me, it, it's just a non-starter with the anti-vax stuff because that, that kind of stuff kills people. I mean, I'm not saying he's a killer, yeah. but when, yeah. when you, when you have pushed, I mean, forget COVID just for years, when you have pushed just really, really dangerous misinformation that has been debunked time and time again, particularly on autism and a lot of other things he's pushed. And let's be clear. I mean, his foundation is making bank on, on this stuff. Not that he needs any more money as a Kennedy. Uh, no. To me, that's just a non-starter. Cause to me, that's, that's a moral issue. Um, uh, yeah, so that, that's my perspective on him. But then again, like, you know, I, I think that a lot of people, um, are attracted to him because I think they've been kind of conned by certain people that we don't name uh, on this podcast, uh, into thinking like being anti-vax is anti-establishment right. or like not right. believing science I, means like, zero. Anti-vax thing is neither here nor there with him. Like, I didn't know that about him until people said that about him. And that's just not a thing for me. Like, that's just not my, I, that's yeah, not a not bridge gonna, I'm going it's on. Not, it's not ultimately going to prevent, you know, people getting what they need in terms of medication. But the fact of the matter is, you know, and this is the, my biggest issue with RFK is that he's not an advocate for universal health care. And why the hell he's not makes absolutely no sense if he's so concerned about big pharma and these vaccines not being safe, why the hell are you not advocating for defanging big pharma out of the equation? Like that would make all the sense in the world. And the fact that he's not doing that to me is a huge red flag. With that said, just the fact that he is creating a stir of such major proportion already, and we haven't even begun the campaign season, which doesn't really begin until the fall. The fact that this is even happening already should be a major red flag. I don't know about that. doesn't really, it's already, I mean, that's all the media is covering. <laughs> you don't have to wait it till is, the fall. But I don't know how much the people are really vested in it just yet. That's what I'm saying. Right. You know, like, for example, once the GOP has their first debate in the fall, like everyone is going to be focused on that. <clears> and that'll become <throat> a major That'll part. be fun. That'll be, that'll be a lot of that's fun. stuff to talk about. And so I do think on the Democratic side, it's going to be very hard for them to just sell off this idea that we're we're all just getting in line and doing as we're told. People are desperate and they can't take this anymore. And speaking of right. the fact that you do believe that ultimately, you know, Harris was used as a pawn for the overwoke suburban urban liberals well, who are concerned yeah. about things that have nothing to do with how we put food on the table. Well, it's already been reported. It's already been reported. Yeah. Biden wanted to pick Gretchen Whitmer. And, well, and that is a perfect convinced. transition. So right now, let me just, let me just say one more thing about this. Yeah. To me, to me, and again, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I I think she's a nice person, but uh, I'm not like politically in love with Marianne Williamson. But the reason I would vote for her uh, over RFK is the way RFK RFK talks sounds eerily similar to Hillary Clinton. Sometimes <laughs> he said in an interview with um, Crystal Ball, which everyone got like so their panties in a twist that she mildly challenged them. Um, yeah, you know, I'm for the principle of like universal health care, but it's not practical. 
I mean, that's a more like calm way of Hillary Clinton waving her hands like Medicare for all will never, ever come to pass. Like, I don't need we don't need that shit. I I like the fact that Marianne Williamson is talking about the American people have become conditioned to expect far too little. I don't I don't like a lot of things about uh, uh, I don't like particularly uh, her foreign policy. Uh, there's some things domestically I think she can go further. But this RFK to me is basically someone kind of talking like a politician and kind of talking like uh, checking some boxes, you know, there's an audience for. But I don't really see anything he's particularly proposed a plan that he's going to really champion and fight for. And when you're telling me, yeah, I believe in something, but it's not practical. I mean, we that, that is neoliberalism. Well, I don't, we don't need any more of that. I get like, you know, anything's better than Biden, but oh, and to me, well, rinse and repeat. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And honestly, it doesn't matter to me who is on the Democratic ticket. It doesn't matter whether or not they have a primary. It doesn't matter who it is. Whoever it is just to me is not going to win. I, yeah. They don't have well, anybody I, that is popular enough to beat either Trump or DeSantis, quite honestly. I'll tell you what. I, I, yeah. I'll tell you what. Uh, maybe his great great grandfather would come out of his grave and slap the shit out of him. If there was ever a situation where an independent could compete, th- mm. this is it. I think if RFK I, or others ran uh, as an independent and just skipped the primary, I think I, I don't think he ever would do it because he's a Kennedy. Uh, I don't know if he could win, but I think uh, if it's Biden and Trump again, you got the two least popular politicians in America. One Jesse might be under indictment. We need Jesse. Yeah. I'd said I'd be happy with Mark Cuban. Somebody threw that out there. And I honestly, honestly, anybody with any executive branch or executive functioning experience would be better than either Trump or Biden. That's just how I feel. Like, truthfully, anybody with any amount of executive, because that's one of the things that people I don't think address here. We're not talking about a legislative seat. We're not talking about somebody running for the people's house. We're talking for the chief executive officer of our country. I want somebody qualified. I want somebody with executive experience. I want somebody who is that person. I don't need to necessarily, this isn't my representative, right? Like this isn't the person who is working on my legislation. And yes, I think that there are people that can be pushed and people who cannot be pushed. Um, I think some people are more reasonable than others, but for the most part, we need a chief executive. That's what we need. We need somebody that could run the country. And um, I just I look at people like Jesse, who has obviously been head of an executive branch or someone like Mark Cuban, who's an executive of a business, like something that right there, you would get my vote just because you're better than what we have. I would would 100 percent vote for Jesse Ventura over any of them. I think that there is too many obvious signs at this point that something is going to happen next year. Something will happen. Somebody is yeah. going to get up the courage. He needs ballot to access. Do, to do a Ross Perot. Somebody is going to actually run a legitimate third party run in 24. The signs are too obvious. People are fed up with this. But how do you get the ballot access? And then you say, okay, if somebody does a Ross Perot, then you're talking about it would have to be someone like Mark Cuban because you would have to have the money to be able to get on all the ballots unless you have a party infrastructure in place because Ross Perot didn't. He just created his whole own thing and basically that's what he did. But how most people can't do that. Jesse couldn't do that. Jesse needs a, you know, and he said he'll run if there's a 
if there's ballot access. Well, I, you know, I keep bringing them up and, you know, you always want to know exactly what the forward party is doing. But if Andrew Yang really has made it his mission behind the scenes to make sure that whatever this is, is simply going to have ballot access and an opportunity for somebody to run as a third party, you know, whether it was the reform party as it was before. Uh, you know, the Green Party is what it is. The and, Libertarian Party is what they are. And the Libertarians have the third most ballot access at 33 states. But you need somebody who's truly going to run on their terms. And that's the thing about Jesse. And this is the reason why the Green Party is a disaster. They <laughs> would not allow Jesse to run on his terms. And he said, the hell with you guys. Right. And they could have had Jesse on their ticket. They could have literally made the Green Party legitimate. He would have. He would have made the party legitimate and they chose Howie Hawkins to, you know, basically fall on their sword. And that's the, but then you ultimately <laughs> wonder exactly why they would do that. And then, of course, as you alluded to, you know, Gretchen Whitmer is the person that Joe did want to have as his running mate. It's pretty well known that they felt that they needed somebody in the Rust Belt, especially a state like Michigan, Let's which would have been the it. last state that you would have expected to go red in 2016 and almost went red again in 2020. As far as I'm concerned, it would have politically made a lot of sense. But there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes with Governor Whitmer and her administration. On the one hand, obviously, we applaud them 1000 percent for repealing right to work. But there is a hell of a lot more bad stuff going on in Michigan that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. And please educate our yeah. audience as to what that is. Let's talk about Michigan. Hey, uh, well, I was recently in Flint, which I've obviously stayed on for almost a decade at this point. Uh, but I was hearing uh, quite a lot about Kalamazoo, which is uh, two hours west of Flint, and a uh, paper mill. Uh, that's owned by Graphic Packaging. So Graphic Packaging is a multi-billion dollar uh, packaging company, a lot of beer bottles, food packaging they make. Um, they have uh, paper mills and other plants all over the country. Uh, but I was being told by uh, residents in uh, predominantly the black neighborhood in Kalamazoo that this paper mill was just legitimately poisoning the black part of Kalamazoo. And, you know, you can cover it from afar uh, and speak with residents, but until you go, you just don't know. So I went there a couple of weeks ago and uh, driving into uh, the plant's parking lot, my cameraman and I immediately, I mean, the smell was so, I, I've never smelled anything like this. Uh, it just immediately went up your nose, down your throat. My eyes were burning and I was being in the parking lot of this paper mill that is emitting uh, over 30 kinds of gases. Um, so then we set up a live stream, I don't know, like a block away. The residents I was interviewing, we had to keep stopping for them to be using their inhalers because it's that bad. Uh, my cameraman had a severe headache all night after that interview. Uh, I had a headache the next day when we went back to the plant. Uh, just talking on camera, you kind of sound uh, almost uh, disoriented because whatever the hell they're pumping into the community, uh, is it's it, headache inducing, disorienting dizziness. Uh, so then you, then I started talking to residents that it's a horror story after horror story. Uh, one woman, uh, her, she lived in the community, but a couple years ago moved closer to the plant. Her daughter had, you know, minor asthma as a kid moving closer to that plant. It got so severe 
She had a severe asthma attack and died. They couldn't save her. Uh, 17 year old girl, a uh, black woman. Um, her 32 year old son is now on 24 seven life support. Uh, the community has insane levels of asthma, uh, COPD, uh, heart disease, kidney problems. And uh, the main activist who could not get media to cover it really, aside from just an article here and there, uh, oh, graphic packaging find or, you know, but nothing, no aggressive media coverage on why is this plant like not shut down? Why are there no, why is there no health data? Um, so then I learned that Whitmer uh, in 2021, her administration, despite a shit ton of complaints from residents, this company being fined repeatedly by the Environmental and Health Department for passing regulatory levels of air emissions, uh, they approved a $125 million bond deal for this multi-billion dollar company so that they could expand this plant. So they now in 2021 (laughs) started releasing, 2022 started releasing a shit ton more of this gas. And I saw the emails with the activists People from the environmental department, the same Michigan environmental department that covered up the Flint water crisis, were telling, you know, telling her, yes, I came and investigated by doing sniff tests with their nose. And it, you know, there was a mild smell, but nothing that bad. This is what the environmental department was telling these residents. Residents could not open their windows. Uh, Residents could not have company over because the smell was so bad. Uh, Playgrounds are empty because parents don't let their kids out. There's a daycare 300 feet from this plant. They don't let the kids out. Elementary schools, they don't let the kids out uh, to for recess. We're not talking about like Zimbabwe, not to, to we're talking about Michigan. Um, so, you know, fortunately, I went there. I kicked, you know, kicked up, uh, yeah. put up a fuss. Uh, one of my reports uh, did very well on Twitter. It got like 60,000 views. Uh, then we did a video on uh, breaking points from there that got similar. Uh, there started just being a rush of people tagging Whitmer and the health department and shaming them, uh, particularly that poor woman who lost her 17-year-old daughter. Uh, that really got around. Uh, and all of a sudden, this three-year health study that for some reason was delayed for three years uh, finally was released uh, after I went there. And what do you know? It found uh, this company is releasing talk hazardous levels of hydrogen sulfide. Um, it's good and bad because the health study was kind of bullshit. They only looked at the 100 other chemicals they're releasing over, th- over three years. They only looked at them for three days. And I believe that the company had a tip off on when they were looked, when they were monitoring those other chemicals. So probably peeled back, you know, their, their, um, emissions for those days. But essentially, uh, The Michigan Health Department said, recommended after saying, yes, they are releasing hazardous levels of hydrogen sulfide, which long term will cause uh, sinus issues, you know, asthma issues, et cetera. And their recommendation was telling these people to stay inside if it smells. You know, what do you know? How long has that paper mill been like the industry thing there? Like, has this been something that they've just. uh, Well, that paper mill has been there for decades, but. Right. The severity of this problem has been going on for over a decade. Okay, so because um, I remember got a, got a lot worse. Got a lot worse in 2022 when they expanded. 
And now, but I wonder after, if this it, is now after it expanded, it's shifting to the white part of town. Uh, the white part of town is now spelling. Well, then it'll, something will get done about it then. That's then people will care. But like, this is something that I've known about forever about the smell from the paper mills. Um, there's one in Canton, North Carolina, and there's one in Greeley, Colorado. And I've known people in both those. And the paper mill thing is huge contamination, huge, huge, huge amounts of contamination. So as to whether or not this particular one is beyond the pale of exceeding what even within the parameters of what's normal or are they all just equally as bad and we just don't know because there's not enough of you going around and covering all the different ones right well i i've learned through just talking to experts and doing a little research smell doesn't necessarily equate with health problem i mean you could have uh in showering i'm sure sometimes uh People have showered and it kind of smells like rotten eggs, right? That's not necessarily a health problem. It could no, mean, sulfur. right? Um, so you can have smelly paper mills that are not necessarily poisoning you. Uh, right. They just, you know, need to tinker with with how they do things. But in this case, a multi-billion-dollar company has no carbon. They're not using carbon filters. That's number one, uh, which I don't even know how that's legal. Uh, oh, number I don't, two, I don't, I'm sure it isn't. It's not legal. Right. Number two, number two, uh, they are at some points the allowable limit, which Aaron Brockovich will tell you is bullshit. The, right. the levels that are, quote, allowable right. is yeah. 1.4 parts per billion of hydrogen sulfide. Uh, the air sensors that they now have up, uh, a viewer, uh, a resident there sent me, it was at 759 parts per billion. That's 700 times the allowable limit. That is a Five alarm, five, five star alarm fire, whatever it's called, evacuate. And that's happening uh, over Memorial Day weekend. Uh, residents were telling me the smell was just beyond the pale. They couldn't. That's even almost go like genocidal stuff. Like now you're talking about the kind of thing that you're you're making permanent generational genetic damage to people in these communities. It, it's, it is, it's seemingly a little genocidal to me. Well, I, and in, 20, whether or not it's in, 20, in 2015, 1,950 uh, black babies under the age of one died in Kalamazoo County. 90% mm -hmm. of black people live in this neighborhood near this plant. So almost 2,000 black babies under the age of one died. Then the data mysteriously was removed from the Kalamazoo County health website. So we don't know the numbers since then. But that was five times white infant death. So you're talking about almost 2,000 black infants dying in this neighborhood. I mean, it's beyond the pale. Uh, somebody, I, I mean, I've reached out to Whitmer's office. They just don't answer. Maybe they'll answer the New York Times if the New York Times gave a shit. Um, somebody needs to question the governor because uh, she ran on environmental justice and justice for Flint, which she fucking screwed them over to. But yeah, I mean, this is generational. Uh, Severe asthma rates, COPD, heart disease, kidney problems. And I mean, this is anecdotal, but my eye was swollen for two weeks after going there. Uh, my cameraman was sick for a week. Um, and this These is are just the things you see, right? These are the things you see. No, the bigger issues is that's the kind of stuff that does chromosomal damage to people. That then they pass on things like defects, like beyond just getting, you know, whatever your surface sickness. And this is uh, like it, it almost it has to be you get to a point where how is it not purposeful? 
It's like, if you know that something is existing and you're choosing to not do something about it, that's purposeful. Well, here's the problem. And this is much bigger than Michigan. And this is the neoliberal hellscape that people like Joe Biden helped create. Graphic packaging employs 650 people in Kalamazoo. It's, it's a large employer. It donates to the colleges, 100,000 here or there. Donates to the food pantries, the nonprofits. And right. because, let's just say 40 years ago, we changed our governmental policy to allow multi, multi-billion dollar companies to write our trade deals, uh, we don't really have industry here anymore. So if, if uh, Governor Whitmer or the state of Michigan or any government wanted to actually criminal criminally threaten these companies or even civilly with like a real game-changing uh, uh, fine, uh, they could say, all right, we'll just, we'll go to Mexico, go to China. Uh, and these cities are deathly afraid of losing industry because uh, Flint and Detroit could tell you, I mean, losing GM crushed both of them. Um, so you basically have, and I'm not exaggerating and I don't think it's dramatic, you have governors uh, and city councils and mayors, because the Kalamazoo mayor and city commissioners theirs have been ignoring this for years. But now suddenly it's a top priority once I came down there and got and the health study came out. But they're willing to look the other way and allow these companies to poison the community for the sake of jobs, even if we haven't even gotten to the people that the employees that work there have very high cancer rates because they're working there. Yeah. Uh, so it is killing them. These jobs are killing them. So you what what do you do at that point? Maybe I, I literally know. I literally I literally in the parking lot when I was leaving that first day, uh, a guy in his car asked me, what were you guys doing over there? Because he saw, you know, the cameras and everything. I said I explained the story. He said, oh, I work inside. I, I always wondered what they were releasing. I got really bad asthma and it's getting worse. I said to him. Sir, I, I, I try not to tell people what to do, but I would, if you can, get a new job because you're probably going to get cancer. Uh, it's, it's, they don't care. Just, they don't care. This is, it's to some extent, it's just, I, I don't see it as any other thing but purposeful. But I don't know why we couldn't give people, those same people, why couldn't they have jobs, I don't know, in creating infrastructure so that Flint could have clean water? Well, it's the same problem. Wouldn't you be able to like hire people to do that? and not, you know, put out disgusting chemicals? I don't know. Well, it's the same problem with Norfolk Southern, <clears throat> as you alluded to. This, uh, what's the name of the paper mill? The graphic packaging. Graphic packaging, as you alluded to, are major financial contributors to both political parties. This is not there a mistake. Is. This is exactly how it works. There is a reason why, and this is something that a lot of people you know, may or may not be surprised to hear, but one of Ron DeSantis's biggest financial bundlers for his presidential run was one of Obama's biggest financial bundlers. This is not a mistake. This is how this game works. It's not a conspiracy. We are run by if you look over Jordan's left shoulder, the United Corporations of America. That's who runs this country. It's not Donald Trump. It's not Joe Biden. 
It's not Ron people DeSantis. like Bill Gates are infinitely scarier than people like Joe Biden. They most certainly are. I and and get whole. your United get your United Corporations of America T-shirt at statuscoup.com slash You have those Go now. On. Where's your mansion parliamentarian sticker? Now it's getting into it. Now we're going to really have mansion in. See, and what happens to the parliamentarian? We're going to have to learn her name. If look, Manchin could be a candidate. That would be hilarious. Although speaking, probably speaking won't be. of which, I mean, can you see a scenario where it's so obvious that he's going to lose that he actually does take a flyer from the no labels party and decides to run for president? Could you actually see him doing that? Uh, no, because no labels is the donors. Uh, no, the donors basically. It's a it's a few like rebel donors that are behind no labels. And I don't right. think they would. I it's don't not think an infrastructure. Would. Let me tell you yeah. something. I went to their Instagram page just to get an idea of what they were all about. They are celebrating, I believe, who I believe may even be your congressman, Josh Gottheimer. As soon as I saw that, I was like, OK, well, now I know what you guys are about. You're about. Thank God. Thank God he is not my congressman. <laughs> I was going to say, not that it really matters in the state of New Jersey, but uh, seriously, you're saying that to us. Yeah, well, we've got the well, we've got the Queen Bee herself, who <laughs> obviously voted in favor of the, uh, the of debt ceiling package. Uh, we have a, we, we have a good friend who's a big supporter of Jen's who, when he saw that vote today, is like, Jen, would you please f and run against her again? I cannot she, stand this woman. She has not met a military budget increase that she hasn't gotten behind. She has not met a war she does not like. Hey, Steve. Steve checking in to say hello. <laughs> and of course, uh, if you guys are not currently subscribed, although it's highly unlikely because Jordan um, is not only a good friend, but he is the first person who interviewed Jen when she ran for Congress. He's also somebody who is a very big influence in helping us grow our channel in the early stages. Uh, but we're if, still at the early stages. We are, but we <laughs> hey, listen, right? we do, we try to deliver real important stuff We're like small Jordan but does. mighty. We fight, uh, but if for whatever reason you are not currently subscribed to Status Quo News, make sure you get <clears> yourself <throat> over there and do it because if anybody. And I mean anybody, because we do not actually do this for a living. Jordan does. If you are thinking of contributing to any channel to help them grow and get stories like what's going on in Kalamazoo out there, become a contributing member of Status Quo News. I'm a Status Quo member. I'm a Status Quo member, too. Just saying. So thank you, our money thank you both. Yeah. And I might have to come to the uh, free state of Florida for some reporting soon because, uh, you know, the woke, make, mind, make the, woke mind virus, the woke mind virus is very scary. Yeah, he's uh, honest to God. I don't know what the hell he's thinking and, and what he thinks he's doing. Uh, terrible, terrible well, campaign. Angered it, I'll tell you that. And right now yeah. there is a ballot initiative that's going around. We are going to get our reproductive rights back here. Yes. So um, we are. We need. Uh, it's like little less than a million signatures by December thirty first. Jordan, if you could have, if you could have Jen come on at some point, especially when you're going to be out of town, if you could, if you could have her on to talk about this to your audience. Yeah, just anybody in Florida people, should make sure they should yeah, at they least need sign to the know, petition. They need to know that this is going on because yeah. it is. It's going to take. It's a, you know, it's a million signatures. It's a million signatures, but it has to be X amount in every county, right? Like it can't just be, we get all of them from Broward, right? So right. that's the, that's what makes it infinitely more challenging. Yeah, we're but, trying to bring it to, I mean, there's not a lot of them, but, you know, trying to bring it to the attention of Bo of the fifth column of Farron Cousins, you know, anybody who has a platform. Any content creators in Florida. Especially in Florida yeah. that have big, big uh, followings and could really help. But yeah, we're, we're, it's a, it's a huge 
coalition, I don't know. I mean, there's got to be at least 10, 12 organizations. Like one of the organizations is the League of Women Voters. And this is what I say to people. It's like when you've angered the League of Women Voters, you have really poked the bear and nothing. Hell hath no fury than those women. Let me tell you. And I have never in my life and I'm a member of the League. I love my League ladies. Those women get shit done at a level that a lot of organizations can't. So they're in it. It just doesn't make, it also just politically doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why he stepped his foot on the gas with the whole uh, limiting to six weeks. Like, I guess he's trying to get evangelicals and pluck them from Trump, but like, if well, he he's actually going to the right want, of Trump. He's going to the right of Trump. But if he actually wants to like win in the general election, did he not just pay attention to the midterms? I mean, yeah. it's a loser and you it's, can't exactly like move to the center after you've done. No, that. no. What I what I will say, and this is what we said on our show the other day, and I believe I may have mentioned it when you had me on last week, is that his whole mindset is I got to win Iowa. Like that's his mindset is my only chance to actually be able to win the nomination. But none of those people ever win. Well, he's trying to buck the A lot the of times they do. Yeah. But who, what Republican won? No, because it was like Ted Cruz was one who won Iowa. Rick Santorum won Iowa. Right. Like Mike like, Huckabee won Iowa. Right. Like so, that's why I think like the people that win Iowa are not people that traditionally go on to win. But we also, but we have to give, I mean, listen, I don't want to give him much credit, but you got to give DeSantis his due. He's not those guys. He's got a hell of a lot more political clout yes. than those men ever did. And if he were able to win. But he angered it. Yeah. Oh, but he now he's yeah, but the, the problem with him is I think he's making the wrong calculation that the base cares about policy, first and foremost. They, they don't. don't. No. Nope. Uh, so most of his like attacks so far, because he has criticized Trump have been on policy, like uh, the first step act, which was actually like one of the few good things Trump did or that like Trump on COVID, even though he's full of shit DeSantis and he was like pro vaccine in the beginning and like shut down beaches. And, you know, he basically was like everyone else on COVID until he started, you know, moonwalking. But uh, most of the Republican base, it's not policy first and foremost, it's it's grievance. And um, I don't think, that Ron DeSantis could out grievance uh, Donald Trump or out tickle the the Republican base and their grievance censors. And mm-hmm. I don't really, I, I don't think the woke shit is big enough. No, Trump didn't win on woke and culture stuff. He won on immigration and you know, which he never you know, did those things. But his populist message, which no, I think it's hilarious that DeSantis somehow thinks that policy is an issue. Trump supporters could care less about policy. I don't, what policy? He doesn't even have a policy. uh, The one thing I will say, and the one thing that you and I have- They just like him. We've, you know, we've debated on this a little bit, but the one thing that I have noticed that I do think is very much in Trump's corner, there is a very large anti-war movement growing in this country, and it's happening on both sides. It's happening on the more, the very populist right, you could call them whatever you want, but there is no question that a significant portion of them are sick of the military industrial complex. They believe that DeSantis is a neocon. He's disguising himself as one not being so. They believe that Trump is anti-war, even though he's technically not. Uh, there's something to be said for that fervor of movement because start one. we don't have it in the Democratic Party right now. And the Democratic Party, uh, honestly, how could you have it in the Democratic Party where every neocon in the GOP who hated Trump was welcomed with open arms into the Democratic Party establishment? 
So they're going to get it from somewhere. And I do believe that that is the one significant issue, particularly when it comes to foreign policy, that I do believe could carry the day for Trump. And that matters a lot to people. I don't think Trump cares one way or the other regarding war, as far as I'm concerned. He's so ego narcissistically driven that for him, getting back into the White House, ending the conflict in Ukraine and totally getting my Nobel Peace Prize. That's uh, like, that's his motivation. Well, I think there's something, uh, Peter, you and I have talked about it, but I think there's something that is possibly a game changer. I actually think particularly what came out today, uh, if you haven't noticed, the DOJ has been like leaking more stuff about the classified documents like every other day. Yeah. Uh, it's now coming out that there's audio of Trump talking about having uh, classified documents about American attack plans on Iran and talking about wanting to share them with people. I, I, I don't think it's an if at this point. He's, he's definitely going to be prosecuted over the classified documents. I mean, it's just too much there. Um, it's just a matter of the timeline of could you start a trial before the election? I don't know if they could move that fast. Uh, I think there is a chance that Trump would make a deal. Uh, uh, which would include a glorified house arrest and not running again Uh, because the severity of this, I mean, I understand like, Oh, you know, I'll show me when a rich white guy, but you're talking about like not just having the documents, but possibly sharing them with people. He's on tape acknowledging that they were classified, which totally disregards the whole, I waved a wand and declassified defense. Um, I, I think it's very possible that Trump could just, you know, ah, the deep state, it was a deep state coup against me. And, you know, they came after our movement, but bows out because there's a quicker, there's more of a chance of Donald Trump killing himself than seeing in the inside of a prison. So I would not, I would not um, <clears throat> discount that he might, DeSantis could win by default. Yeah, I, I, you know, look, they've been trying to find a way to keep Trump from running again. Like that's ultimately what the goal is, is to find some way to keep him from running again. And I don't know that any of the things right now are going to keep him from running again. Yeah. And the more they go after him, it's almost like it just keeps sort of like martyring him. I'm totally persecuted. Well, but his people just dig in more. It doesn't, it doesn't serve them to go after him. Look, I, I'll believe it when I see it. That's all I could say about it. If they can ever really land something with him and have it stick, I'll believe it. When and I as I've it. said many a times before, you know, if we were living in normal times in a time when our society was actually doing its job, you know, we're, we're not we, we do not have a functioning republic. We just don't. We're living at a time where things are really, really bad and. You know, despite this article that Jordan just shared with us, um, which I will put up on the screen real quick before he goes, um, you know, this is very important stuff um, that I do think people do care about. Well, let me rephrase um, that people probably should care about bombshell and MAL investigation, audio recording in which Trump acknowledges he held onto a classified Pentagon document about a potential attack on Iran. Now, whatever his motivation was for that, you know, this is a lengthy description uh, from Ryan Goodman. Um, he's an attorney. He's basically been right on pretty much most of the Trump stuff, but he's pointing out this would fall under the Espionage Act. I have problems with the Espionage Act because it's been so abused, like against Assange. But, well, yeah. But this is, I mean, when you're 
uh, share it, potentially sharing with people who don't have clearances like American war plans. And we could point out the American war machine. I mean, that's as that's as uh, espionage as it gets. Uh, but I think they would give him a slap on the wrist like house arrest uh, based on, you know, Jen and I both agree they don't want him to ever see the White House again. No. Uh, but I mean, this anybody other than Donald Trump would they'd put him in solitary confinement for most of this stuff. So, yeah, I, I the, basically what I'm getting from this is that his um, there is a there is a obviously a significant neocon portion of the State Department that really wants war with Iran. It, they are hell bent on having it. Um, this has been talks ever since 1979. And we'd be there if Hillary was in office. Uh, I would agree. We would be. We'd and already be in war with Iran. Th- if but listen, we were lucky I, enough to have General Wesley Clark on the podcast. So, he talked about this. Uh, this is the end game in many ways. And maybe this is I mean, look, we don't know what the details are. It's classified. But one can assume one of two things. Is he trying to do business with Iran or is he somebody who sees uh, a potential world war circumstance if we were to basically start a war with them, which, of course, is John Bolton's wet dream? So one can only guess exactly what the motivation is here. Uh, But I agree with you. If they feel that they've got an espionage case to go after him on, it's very likely that they're going to do it um, because they do not want him in the White House again under any sort of. The fact that his his lawyer, uh, his lawyers asked Merrick Garland to meet, that's typically what they do, like as a last ditch effort because they think think he's going to be indicted. So of all these cases, I mean, the Stormy Daniels thing, I, I don't really think is anything. Uh, legally, it's it's not. I don't think he's going to be convicted. Uh, nope. January sixth. I mean, he should, but I, I, I. It's hard to prove that he, unless you have some type of smoking gun, that he is the. Co- uh, but this is, I mean, pretty black and white. You have documents. You were instructing people to move them after being subpoenaed. You have documents on human sources, i.e., spies, which is a no-no. I mean, if you fuck, if you piss off the CIA. Uh, the FBI uh, in, in American history, it didn't really work out well for. Well, that's ultimately how they'll keep him from running again. I right. mean, that's the truth. Like if it's like the, they're going to try to do it like somewhat legitimately, I suppose. But if they really want to keep him from running again, if the deep state don't want him there, they'll deal with it. That's right. what I think. Nobody's untouchable. Yeah, right. That's and and you've even said, I mean, maybe that is the only way. I mean, Trump did not, you know, Joe Biden did not beat Donald Trump. Donald Trump beat himself with COVID. And I think that that's uh, Biden can't win again. Yeah. So I mean, I tell you, man, I was I've never been more unsure of what the future holds right now than what we're looking at. So with that said, guys, if you're not currently subscribed to Status Quo News, get your butts over there. Make sure you do it. And if you are so inclined. Definitely support Status Coup with a little bit of moolah. Yes. There's a lot of ways you could do that. And of course, Jordan, thank you as always for being a great supporter of our work. We are obviously a tremendous supporter of yours. Keep doing what you're doing, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Bye, Jordan. I was going to say, but I forget, is the baby's name Lily or Lila? Lily. Lily. But, well, yeah, you can say either one. I no, think. you can't say either one. But I was going to say something. I think it's Lily. All right, but I didn't know, and I wasn't sure. And I was like, "Well, oh, forgive us for not being fully 
uh, immersed. I haven't met his baby. Well, why would you meet his baby? He lives in New Jersey and they're like germaphobes. Yes. Where would well, you possibly have met Anna, this baby? Anad is very much concerned about her child ever getting sick. Well, but, you know what? I got to tell you, it, kids do stupid ass shit all the time and put stupid, disgusting shit in their mouths. And it doesn't matter what the gender is and it doesn't matter anything about them. There will be some point when you will look at your child and you will just realize, ah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I think. I don't think I'll ever have that problem. Well, you might not, but like there is a point where you will look at your child and they will be sticking something in their mouth off the floor of like a freaking convenience store. And you just, I'm just saying you can only prevent germs up to a certain point. And kids do disgusting shit. That's my point. Well, speaking of the United Corporations of America, and we know a thing or two about just how bad these things get. Yes. Where could it possibly, and I mean possibly get worse, than in our for-profit health system? And don't call it health care because it isn't about no. care. It is about, remember, we're not in the business of preventing disease. We're in the process of fixing it. And what is the point? No, of we're fixing? just in the business of having it. Correct. So fixing it by extension. And you were right. It is Lily. Thank so, you. I thought so. Thank you, Travers. Uh, I so. what I, and, and what I would say, last, last thing before we bring in our guest. Colinello, again, there are enough people to vote for Trump because there won't oh. be enough people to vote for Joe. I'm telling you That's right now. That's the problem. It doesn't matter if Joe, if Trump loses the electoral, the, the popular vote, nope. which I'm sure he still will. Doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter because he's going to flip and two or three I, of those states. I am going to tell you, I have no, Joe Biden cannot win again. Oh, can't. I can't even fathom it. He it's cannot so win again. And I know he can't win again because I know I'm not the only person that voted for him that will not do so again. And he barely won. So how does that equate? I mean, look, I am not a math person, but I would think less people voting for you when you barely won last time. It's not a good sign for you. That's just me. And considering where we stand right now, I will not in vote the for healthcare him. debate. And what has been done, of course, the lack thereof over the last two and a half years, almost three. We are now heading down a very dark road and this country's getting restless. But we're very grateful to have our friend David Sirota, who decided to put all his eggs in a basket known as the lever and start his independent journalism company, which has been churning out fantastic reporting, including the latest story that we will be covering, the $20 billion scam at the heart of Medicare Advantage. Well, imagine that, that well, there is a scam at the heart of Medicare Advantage. You know, and Advantage. I think that a lot of people don't really know this. I just think that most people don't know a lot about how this works. I've always been very acutely aware just because I grew up in South Florida. So basically, you know, Humana, it, it, it's just like, Everybody knows what that she is. She changed that name alone. We're just having it that way. But without further ado, for the first and definitely not the last time, he is an independent journalist at The Lever. Matthew Cook, welcome to Generational Change. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate Absolutely. it. And I'm actually a staff reporter uh, at, staff at reporter. The Lever. So, yeah, I'm not an independent. I'm dependent on The Lever. You're dependent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or The Lever is dependent on me, whichever. But it's not <laughs> independent. Talk about talk about what you I mean, do you traditionally do healthcare, um, or was this just one particular thing that you just followed this particular story for like what led you into this? Because this is obviously for us, this idea is not new, right? Like we've known about this concept for a long time. Yeah, I, I've been doing healthcare work for a while um, and uh, covering Medicare privatization now for over a year uh, at the lever. 
And uh, what we found is just that, um, I mean, this year is the tipping point. Uh, so uh, for the first time ever, over half of the people in Medicare Advantage, uh, in Medicare will be in Medicare Advantage. Uh, and um, yeah, you know, this is uh, something that is extraordinarily costly to traditional Medicare. Uh, so uh, we found that uh, the Medicare Payments Advisory Commission uh, said that in a March report that um, overpayments uh, are $20 billion annually, but that's really the low estimate. Uh, so there's been other estimates that say that Medicare overpayments will cost Medicare $600 billion uh, over the next eight years. So uh, yeah, it's and there's a massive lobby uh, designed uh, to keep this gravy train in place. Um, and they're very successful. So some very modest Biden administration proposals to uh, rein in the program's excesses have been pared down uh, in the face of extraordinary industry lobbying. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that's really where it is now. I mean, the, the, the positive thing is that the politics do seem to be changing a bit. So um, Congress used to be you know, basically uniformly pro-Medicare Advantage. Uh, and there's been some hiccups uh, on that lately, now that uh, some folks like Pramila Jayapal and Ro Khanna have started to speak out uh, against uh, this creeping privatization. Um, and and frankly, the, the insurers are just getting greedy. So you now have hospitals and doctors, you know, starting to be like, hey, you know, what about our money? Uh, and so that's, <laughs> that's one positive thing is that is that there it's looking like they're the insurer's greed is 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 also uh, coming up against a wall, just like, frankly, the uh, traditional Medicare's finances. You couldn't put it any more clearly. Um, one thing I have noticed, we've noticed, is that there is a significant movement growing on the right. If you're able to explain to them crystal clear that there is one difference and one difference only that needs to happen within our healthcare system. The for-profit middlemen in between us and our doctors have no reason to exist. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. This can be a single payer universal system overnight simply yeah. by removing this component. And yes. anytime somebody says government run, no, it's government funded, hence single payer. The government is not giving you doctors. It's still a free market where the may the best doctor win. But Humana, Cigna, Aetna, uh, Blue Cross, they do not have any reason to exist. And for anyone who is a free market capitalist, if everything is about improving healthcare outcomes, they make them worse. Yeah. So to even justify yeah. why they should exist, and granted, you have another significant portion of extremely right, you know, libertarian-minded people who don't think the government should be involved in anything. But of course, they got all caught up in the whole vaccine nightmare of thinking that, you know, Big Pharma was out to poison everybody. And their attitude now is, well, we need to get away from this system. Hey, listen, whatever's going to get them away from it, as far as I'm concerned, fine by me. Because if anybody really understood what it meant to have a universal health care system like the rest of the developed world has. You know, like civilization. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason they complain is because they simply don't know any better. Yeah. Um, so the impetus of this article that you wrote 
what went into the research? What did you discover? I, I can pull it up and, you know, we can just go through it really quick because it's, you know, look, it's very informative, but it also gets to the heart of the fact that this health industry that we have here in the United States, it's one big effing scam. Like there's yeah. just no other way to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I would obviously love to hear your initial thoughts as to, you know, how this came about and, you know, also what the feedback's been like. Yeah, I mean, that it's we we definitely have a lot of folks really interested in this because I think people are aware that uh, Medicare is a precious program that people depend on and anything that's a threat to it is a threat to people's lives. Um, so, and that's, that's what we really found out uh, through the reporting is just that is how dire the, the current situation is. When you have a majority, or you're about to have a majority of uh, recipients of Medicare in Medicare Advantage, that uh, creates all sorts of problems, overpayments, uh, it creates problems with delivery of care, uh, it, and it creates problems with the healthcare system as well. So you now have doctors who really used to depend on Medicare in addition to Medicaid as, you know, this is a one-stop shop. You know, if I'm going, if I have a patient who comes in and they have Medicare and they have a Medigap plan, I'm going to be able to give them the care that they need. Um, and instead, now, you know, you just have these horror stories of doctors after doctors uh, having to spend hour after hour after hour on the phone with insurance companies trying to get the best care for their patients uh, instead of figuring out the care plan that works best for them. Uh, And so, yeah, it's absolutely privatization. You know, I mean, the initial kind of idea behind Medicare was that seniors aren't inherently insurable in a private marketplace. So we do have to remove the, the middleman. Uh, but yeah, Everett, we're now seeing this complete privatization where it's we're bringing back insurers uh, and the only thing consequence of it um, is bilking the federal government and the Medicare trust fund that we all pay into. Well, yeah, like talk about dollars. that. The most important part of this article this, is actually yeah. right at the beginning. The, the health insurance behemoth Humana is raking in $2.8 billion in profits while paying out $448 million in dividends to shareholders and more than $17 million in compensation to its CEO. <laughs> CEO. The main driver of these earnings, the federal government spent $20.5 billion overpaying Humana and other private insurers for the Medicare Advantage plan they manage on behalf of seniors and people with disabilities. They're literally just siphoning money, our, the government money. They're literally just siphoning our collective resources for nothing. And if yep. not for those overpayments, Humana could have suffered a nearly $900 million, almost a billion in losses in 2020. See, that would be a free market system, then they would lose. That's correct. Yep. And that yep. is something that a lot of people <laughs> do argue for. It's like, hey, they should have they should have failed. Well, yep. that's the thing. If you you if you, people really want to talk about that in terms of you want to have for profit and just let the free market run free, okay, let's try that. But this isn't that either. This yeah. is something else. This is socialism for these businesses is what this exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are leeches off of the backs of the Medicare system. They're parasites. That's just, it's disgusting. And then you've got, and then you've got people arguing about wanting to raise the age, people that will refuse to raise the cap. 
Like there are so many things that could be done in to help people. And this is the kind of nonsense that they're allowing to happen. At the root of Medicare Advantage overpayments is up coding by insurers, a yeah. scheme by which the companies systematically overbill the public as if their patients are sicker than they really are. I don't even need to read further. This was a huge talking point way back when Bernie first made this a huge discussion in 2015 regarding the need for a universal health care system and talking about you know the again another thing that the right constantly talks about, which is uh fraud uh, one of the three fraud waste. waste and abuse and abuse, abuse. yeah and this is a classic ex this is the example of waste fraud and abuse wow. this is it right here a, a double billing triple billing can you yeah. talk about just how devastating this actually is how many of these insurers get away with this nonsense yeah, I mean, there are stories about uh, Kaiser are offering their doctors bottles of champagne if they figure out ways to make their patients appear sicker uh, for coding. United Health Group has, you know, these literal paper pushers whose job it is to try and find ways to make uh, patients appear sicker without ever meeting a patient uh, to begin with or even meaningfully interacting with. Uh, a doctor. So this sounds um, like this sounds like dope sick in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean it's it's the same fundamental principle, which is how can we you know use the federal government to extract as much profit from patients as possible? Um, and um, yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. It's a it's a totally valid comparison. And then anybody, and then people find out things like this, and then people wonder why we see so much violence and desperation. And you know, what if if like I look at people like Amy Valela and what she went through with yeah. her daughter and with the healthcare yeah. thing, and and then I I think to myself how close some people really can be to just losing it. And then you see people like that are just like Nancy Pelosi wondering, why would someone break into my house? And mm -hmm. it, it's just it's really it's getting scarier and scarier and it's going to get worse. But this is the kind of shit that, that sets people off, that makes them lose their minds. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's a, I mean, you're, we don't talk about it in the story, but it's an issue I've dealt with a lot is is violence against healthcare workers and in hospitals. And it's like. Yeah, you know, if you're telling somebody's child, you know, like, you know, the adult child, oh, the insurer won't cover the life-saving treatment for your mom. Right. Like, and, and people don't really understand how the healthcare system works. They think it's the doctor's fault. And then they punch yeah. the doc in the face or they punch the nurse practitioner yeah. in the face. And this is a major problem. And meanwhile, the insurer CEOs just get to sit back and relax while the people who make our healthcare system actually function are beaten up by people who don't understand that it's the insurer's fault. It's not the, it's not the doctor or the NP's fault. And as is pointed out in the middle of this article, which is obviously one of the most important points, of course, which is the government's inability to crack down on Medicare Advantage overpayments is a product of major lobbying campaigns by the industry. Shocking. Who would have guessed two Biden administration proposals that would have tightened the screws on Medicare Advantage overpayments by enhancing audits and cutting the growth of payments to Medicare Advantage plans were both scaled back in the face of aggressive industry lobbying 
marketing and TV campaigns. Well, we'd like to help you, but there's profit to be made. Right. But yeah. Joe's like, we, we, we kind of want to help you, but these guys really make a compelling argument, you know? So we're yeah, just gonna- I mean, part of it is, yeah, you know, I mean, there's, it's also the media's fault, you know? I mean, TV in particular doesn't cover Sponsored this by Pfizer. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, they don't cover this issue in any meaningful way. And so then the way that people who consume TV, you know, which is disproportionately seniors, you know, just see these ads saying, you know, Washington is going after my Medicare. It's like, no, they're going after Medicare Advantage profiteering, not going after Medicare. Uh, And so then they generate all these calls to Congress. And then there's all this, you know, uproar and the Republicans raise hell and the corporate Dems raise hell. And then the Biden administration scales back in the face of uh, this um, of this uproar. And it's it's just underscores, I think, yes, how fundamentally broken the campaign finance system is, how corporate interests are able to dominate public debate. And and yeah, why, you know, I mean, we're, we're really kind of swimming against the, the tide here in terms of trying to uh, report what's actually going on in the face of this massive multi-million dollar corporate PR effort. When, when, Jen, when Jen ran for Congress against Wasserman Schultz in 2020, I was the campaign manager and I oversaw the, uh, the uh, digital media apparatus and what it took to get TV ads up in, a, in the Miami market, which is a, one of the, it's like the fourth most expensive in the country. But even maneuvering through that and being able to put what I think was somewhere probably around 30 to 40, even $50,000. And we did pretty good, all things considered, in terms of what it meant to get that message out there. And we would run into people on the streets who would say, wow, I saw your ad on TV. It was really good. You know, just things like that. And even with that amount of money, you can make an impact. Yet with these guys in response the better Medicare Alliance and advocacy group for Medicare Advantage plans spent at least 13.5 million on ads pressuring the administration to increase the planned rate hikes. Yeah. This is nuts. Yeah. Yep. Yep, they're very powerful. They're filled with money, you know, and it's and it's very difficult. But it's but it's very profitable. Think about yeah. it. If you're making billions in profit and you only need to spend millions exactly. to make it so, it's great business, baby. It's the cost of doing business, absolutely. Yeah. I would argue that the problem isn't the lobbyists. The problem is the governmental, uh, our public servants, quote unquote, because those are the people that are supposedly on our payroll working for us. Those are the people that are accountable to us. These people are going to do whatever they can do, whatever they can get away with. That's just their private business, but they're not accountable to me. The people Mm -hmm. that work for this business aren't accountable to me. My representative corporate whore is accountable to me. Yeah. Um, and so the, and when P, I think I heard somebody even mention something about putting like cams, you know, like, uh, body cams on lobbyists yeah. and no, but the lobbyists aren't the problem. <laughs> the lobbyists are only a problem because they get away with it because our public servants are corporate whores. So <laughs> the problem is on the end of our public servants, not on the end of the lobbyists. And so, That's the, where the responsibility lies. And so even though the intention, which was crazy to begin with, was to increase the payment hikes by 1%, Biden's administration ended up hiking at 3.3%. 
on yeah. behalf of Medicare Advantage oh because God. of all of this lobbying money that they spent. So this wasn't even something that they were intending to do in the first place, but they did it as a favor. And one of the things that I always like to point out is that both major party infrastructures have no interest in a universal health care system no. because of the fact that they're so thoroughly funded by it. I take much more exception with the Democrats than the Republicans because the Republicans don't pretend that they care. You've got <laughs> Democrats who are out there pretending like they're doing something and not a single one of them have the gall to actually challenge Joe on this issue because this is a winning issue. This isn't like where you have like a slight majority of the country that believes in universal health care. It's almost four out of five Americans who are like, we need universal health care. And the one out of five who don't are people who don't even have a clue as to how it really works. Because I would imagine that if everyone had a full understanding of what a universal health care system really was, they would you'd have like a 95% approval. And the 5% would be against it are the people that are reaping the benefits of the broken system and don't want it to go away. I think there's some truth to that. I also just think, you know, when when we when Medicare for all actually gains real traction, you know, which is basically when both times Bernie wins New Hampshire, you know, I mean, you see you see the full extent of the propaganda campaign that goes out against oh, yes. Medicare for all. You know, I mean, it's exceptional. You know, I mean, thinking back on, you know, February 2016 and February 2020, it was extensive, every major newspaper, every major TV channel, radio stations, YouTube, internet ads. I mean, it was all over the place saying that the most humane, logical, cost-effective solution to the healthcare crisis that we face today, Medicare for all, will kill you. I mean, that was what they were saying, that Medicare for all will kill you. And MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, you know, the, the New York Times, the Washington Post, they were all saying it. And so I, I think that that's true is that, yeah, public opinion polls show that Americans are, you know, very in favor of, you know, some type of universal health care system. On the flip side is, you know, Americans are can be very easily propagandized. Um, yes. And that's a that's a, a tougher nut to crack. I mean, that's what we're you know, working to do here at the lever to be sure. Um, but, you know, yeah, you know, I mean, most of our readers are the folks who are less <laughs> able to be, you know, propagandized. You know? And, a very, and a very easy yeah. way to understand Medicare is it is traditionally it operates on a fee for service basis. It means yeah. that doctors and hospitals are paid directly by Medicare for the services they provide. Private plans have operated as part of Medicare since just after the program launched in 1965, but typically did so on a very limited basis. That change happened in 2003, uh, you know, George W. Bush time, uh, when Congress substantially increased subsidies for plans to enter the market after intense industry lobbying. While the traditional Medicare model is not without problems, Medicare only covers 80% of expenses, which means that seniors need either Medicaid or a Medigap insurance plan to get full coverage and has major benefits relative to Medicare Advantage. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely the thing that I would recommend to anybody who's nearing retirement age is do not, if you have the money for a Medigap plan, you know, and you aren't, you know, and you're not Medicaid eligible, presumably, you know, do not sign up for Medicare Advantage. It's a terrible idea. Um, no, and uh, you're absolutely right. And I, and I do think, you know, a lot of what is discussed here 
it just kind of re- it reinforces the point of the whole story, which is, you know, you've got they, they've attempted to do a couple of things here and there. As you point out, in February, 70 lawmakers led by Congressional Progressive Caucus Chair Pramila Jayapal sent a letter to the Biden administration pointing out that enrollment in Medicare Advantage grows, spending per beneficiary has grown faster in Medicare Advantage and original Medicare, and that spending is being funneled into corporate profits under the guise of operating costs instead of into care for patients. It's like, yeah. That's the whole point. Not, that's the whole point. The wheel. They know that that's what this is. <laughs> You're not actually fighting in the way that you need to be fighting. We know how it works, but thank you for pointing that out. Mr. President, who was bought and paid for by corporate special interests, including the mega health lobby, uh, could you possibly consider that what you're doing is really not good for the country? Yeah, I've considered it and I want to be president. So that's that. You know, there's no, but I do think that there is a growing anger especially on the populist left and the populist right that are sick of this. But they're looking at this and they're just thinking, you guys are not fooling us anymore. It's like there's a whole, there was a, there was a growth. This is where the establishment I do believe is in a lot of trouble. Everyone thinks that we had our chance, Bernie missed and that's that. And it's like, it's going to be like this forever. I'm like, no, actually what you have now, you know, a lot of us were wet behind the ears in 2015. We didn't really understand a lot of this stuff. And even I've studied politics for many years and I didn't fully understand it until I really immersed myself in Bernie's movement and really from an economic standpoint, really understood what was going on. Today, I think you have a lot of what you would call seasoned veterans, even amongst us young people who look at this stuff and think, now you're not pulling the wool over our eyes anymore. We know what you're doing. We know what game you're playing. You're trying to kick the can down the road for as long as humanly possible, and we're going to fight back. That's what it comes down to is when do people put their foot down and say, no, not not having it anymore. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I mean, you, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that doesn't have some sort of like health insurance nightmare story. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, it's a spectrum. You know, there are people that where it's a life and death thing. And then there's people that just are financially bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And these kinds of issues, it's it's only a matter of time before the people are just done. Like that's that what is what I think is coming because it's like you have more than half our bankruptcies are healthcare related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before you go, Matt, please let us know what you're working on. And if you guys are not currently again, we plug Jordan for status quo. We are damn well gonna be plugging David's lever. Um, their work is equally phenomenal in terms of non-corporate journalism. It is very important that we support these causes. Because Lord knows if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't even know. This and is it's, going is on. this is, but is the lever, is it a subscription thing? Like this is new, right? Like this is fairly new. Yeah, we used to be called the Daily Poster, um, but, uh, and we changed our name about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Okay. Um, and that, and yeah, it's, please subscribe. You can go to levernews.com uh, and subscribe. And um, yeah, uh, we'd love to. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so, no, yeah, for sure. what, what we're working on next is, yeah, I have another story I'm working on right now that really delves into the care being denied by Medicare Advantage uh, plans. So mm-hmm. that's what we're 
we're focusing on next um, is is it's depressing yeah. as all hell. Yeah. Like mean, it's you mean really to tell intense. Me that they actually sit in boardrooms and decide how many people have to die in order to make sure the shareholders get their pay. Per kind quarter. of. Yeah. It's the real death panels, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's you know. <laughs> oh, God. Why would we ever want universal health care? Will it just be death panels across the? Board? Yeah, that's death panels. <laughs> that's. Re- I mean, Matt, you got to admit that is that's really, really good impressive messaging. propaganda to oh, convince yeah. people that that's what's. Yeah, if we have universal health care, we're really going to have those. That's death the kind of stuff that pushed Wendell Potter over to the Jedi side. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. He came to the light side, yeah. not the dark side. Right. Yeah. But that was the kind of propaganda nonsense. I'm yeah. sure you've spoken with Wendell, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wendell's great. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Guys, if you're not subscribed, go to Lever. What is it? Levernews.com. Yep. Um, and check it out. And thank you for coming on. Thank you for your Thanks work, so much, Matt. Guys. We will definitely it. be in touch. Cool. Bye. Thank you, buddy. Bye. So, guys, Great today time. we have provided two, two good journalistic sources for you guys today, which is very exciting. And I know you appreciate our show today. This has definitely been a, another good one. We're and on, I we're killed on a this thing. Good, we're on a pretty good streak right now. Let's keep it going. Uh, we may have a really big guest on Monday. I will not say who. We'll see if it comes to pass. Uh-oh. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't want to get too excited. We on a whole bunch of people that we're trying to get on right now. But of course, as you guys know, we are a small but mighty channel. So if you are so inclined, please go to patreon.com forward slash generational change for as little as $5 a month. You can become a supporter of our small but mighty channel and you will get the Lulu sticker as an intro gift. And they I really did see that like Big these. Dumb Animal really says good. he upped his his Patreon pledge, which we, now I know who that is on Patreon. Yes, so that means uh, is that a is that ten or twenty? No, he's he's ten. He went from five to ten. All right, and so now, well, not that one because that one's and actually he's going to get my last. Big mansion Dumb Animal is going to get the well the last. Man, of my, Big Dumb Animal is a huge supporter of our show. He contributes almost every time he's on here. So Mansion Parliamentarian bumper sticker but coming your you, way, pal. And so for those who are extremely generous, it's that's who it is. And are and if you're willing to be a $25 a month patron, you will get the generational change jersey, silky smooth tri-blend. You know you I'm not even gonna tell him what kind of products I order anymore, and we're just gonna stop having him say it. I know it's really, really it's just it's a jersey, guys. It's a baseball jersey. It's a great jersey. (laughs) It's a baseball jersey. So with that said, obviously, uh, we're extremely grateful for each and every one of you that are here that are supporting our show. Uh, Colinello, uh, I, did, did we have an issue? Was it confirmed? I didn't get a cash out. I'll tell you what okay. I didn't get a cash so out. So hang, hang on real quick. because I'll tell you what I, I have. You, I can no, tell you, can, you. Well, you need to check the email as well. But it doesn't. It, all I can tell you is what's come up here is what has come through. That's all I could show you. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is this is the cash. This is my history. Colinello, do me a favor. For whatever reason, it apparently did not come through. So either attempt to refund it and do it again. I don't know what the issue is. I saw it come through in an email. But it's but it not in our cash and, app. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, no, it, it was a cash app email. From but who? It, from, from Colinello. But it wasn't a conference. It was like, there's like $25 waiting. You have to confirm it or something. I don't know. I don't use it. You use it. I should have just let you do it. Well, it would be here if it was there. But the point is, it's not. 
But so no. There's no $25 contribution unless you do it. I'm just asking. Do you see know. the history? I'm, okay. 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 That's the history. So the last donation was, look, May 11th. Was- okay. So it's been a while. So people really are not contributing on Cash App, but nevertheless, so sometimes we are grateful for any and all contributions that can come in. So Colinello, keep that in mind. Uh, it said, if you can resend that, Colinello, we would really appreciate it. Okay, so please resend that, and I won't touch it. We'll let Jen deal with it. I, but it, I've never seen that. It just comes through Cash App. Well, apparently on our end, we need to confirm it. That's my understanding. So we'll make sure that that gets okay. done uh, ASAP. And so in the meantime, thank you all for supporting the show. Make sure to smash that like button, subscribe, share, do all those wonderful things that we ask you to do all the time. Uh, do we have a Gen Z report tomorrow night? We do have a Gen Z report. Gen Z report tomorrow night at the regular scheduled time of 9 p.m. Do you know what the topic is going to be? I do. It's Gen Z in the workforce. Gen Z in the work. Well, what a time to talk about it, considering the debt ceiling and all the BS that comes with that. So make sure you tune in tomorrow night and we will see you Monday. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.